informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023, the Feast of St. Lawrence Justinian. St. Lawrence was born into a Venetian family of the Justinians and was noted for his seriousness even as a child. I think people forget that there is a virtue of seriousness. It's not always great to be joking around all the time. At the age of 19, he had a vision of eternal wisdom inviting him to unite himself with it, which led him to enter religious life. Now, I'm curious to know what is meant by a vision of eternal wisdom. For eternal wisdom here is obviously a reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking explicitly of St. Louis de Mumford, who has his great treatise on love of eternal wisdom. And he talks about the devotion to our Lord under the title of eternal wisdom. So I'm very curious as to what exactly he saw. St. Lawrence Justinian joined the Augustinian order of the canons of St. George of Alga near Venice, known for his austerities and his humilities. Now, after his ordination, he was eventually elected the general of his order, initiated profound reforms, essentially serving as its second founder. And during this time, the Augustinian order had fallen into laxity. They were going to become very corrupt and falling into disuse. And in 1433, he was eventually named the Bishop of Venice, which he tried to reject at first because of how horrific Venice was at the time, at the time leading up to the Protestant Revolution. It was a horrific place to be. But he was told by Pope Eugene IV to accept the position, so he obliged and took the job. As Bishop of Venice, St. Lawrence Justinian played a pivotal role in resolving state quarrels, founding new monasteries, and improving divine worship in the parishes, bringing them back to the right ordering of the liturgy. Because during this time, people were kind of doing whatever they wanted with the liturgy, and there was a lot of people who just had a lot of lack of reverence in liturgy, and the bishop stamped that out. In 1450, he was eventually elected the Patriarch of Venice, and his ecclesiastical reform in the city is considered the precursor to what St. Charles Borromeo would later do in Milan after the Council of Trent. So his books and sermons are reflected a deep devotion to our Lord and the importance of recognizing and knowing the faith. He died on January 8th, 1455, and was canonized by Pope Alexander VIII. His feast day is today, though, which is the day of his Episcopal consecration. Normally, it's on the day of his death. So what do we pray for on this day of St. Lawrence Justinian? We pray for reforms in the church, reforms of the orders, and that the people, imagine a corrupt society and a corrupt religious order electing a holy saint to reform their order. It seems impossible, but our Lord can do it. So let's ask today that our Lord inspire those in positions of power and positions of ability to elect, that they give them the inspiration to put in great saints and great reformers so that way we may have a holy church. St. Lawrence Justinian, pray, pray for, for us. us. Happy Tuesday to you. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Hey, good morning, Adrian. It's good to be here. It's, uh, I feel so rested, and uh, I just feel great. Did you rest? Yeah, I did, actually. Good, I, I good. Took, took a nap here and there. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was a great weekend. How, about, how, how was yours? 
It was busy. It was busy. It was good. I, I did sleep in. I did sleep in. That was a, a big deal for me was making sure that I uh, spent at least a little bit of time uh, sleeping uh, just past, you know, six in the morning. So I got up a little past six and that's already a day where I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> so I was overall a very positive uh, weekend. I would say last night, actually, my uh, grandparents came over and we uh, my dad made hot dogs uh, wrapped in bacon. Yeah. And a and 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 they use uh we use baguettes as a bun, and we had it um, put with uh, this this really nice cheese over it. So good, so good. It's like a gourmet hot dog. It was mm. Ten out of ten would recommend. But uh, that was a uh, it was nice. It was a nice weather last night as well. So it's kind of strange. Did you end up going kayaking? No, I didn't. I was too tired, so I you I didn't do anything. Yeah, I That's rested, That's and good. it's great. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. You know uh, the feast of Saint Pius the Tenth. Yes, uh, Sunday. That was a, a whew, amazing sermon. Amazing sermon on really? St. Pius the Tent. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty killer. Maybe I'll talk about it in the after show. But I was kind of blown away by the sermon. And it was, uh, I've got to say one thing, though. It was way too long. <laughs> it was like way too long of a sermon. Like, I get it. I, very great. I'm glad. The content of the sermon, amazing. But, Father, um, Maybe 45 minutes is enough. Maybe not an hour. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's all. Well, Something to look forward to in the after show for sure. For sure, for sure. We'll talk about that in the after show. Um, at 15 past the hour, though, there is some Texas news. There's some good news, and then there's some bad news. So we're going to talk about that coming up at 15 past the hour. And if we have time, Elon Musk had something really interesting in his biography that I want to talk about if we have time in the 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Dr. Fauci comments about mask studies, and I found his comments to be very, very enlightening in the fact, well, you'll see at 30 past the hour. At 45 past the hour, the papal advisor, Father Antonio Spadaro, is being accused of heretical blasphemy. We're going to talk about that at 45 past the hour. Uh, the story is actually about a week old, and it has not gotten nearly the attention that it deserves because this is a widespread heresy that he kind of espoused publicly. Very, very concerning. In the next hour, Debbie Giorgiani will be joining us. We'll be having a conversation about the spirit world. It'll be a great conversation. Looking forward to ha- that conversation coming up in the next hour, plus our Fear and Trembling game show with prizes involved. So you're not going to want to miss not one moment of our conversation this day. So let's jump in. We'll begin with prayer as is our custom. We're going to be praying for your intentions. We'll be praying for our friends, family, benefactors, and all those that you promised to pray for. We pray for the salvation of souls and liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. And in a special way, I ask for your prayers for my grandfather, who is, uh, is has cancer all over his body. So I'd be very grateful if you would pray for him and for his recovery, for his miraculous recovery. I'd be very grateful for your prayers. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Blessed Virgin Mary, Immaculate Mother of God, who didst endure a martyrdom of love and grief, beholding the sufferings and sorrows of Jesus, thou didst cooperate in the benefit of my redemption by thy innumerable afflictions, and by offering to the Eternal Father his only begotten Son as a holocaust and victim of propitiation for my sins. I thank thee for the unspeakable love which led thee to deprive thyself of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, true God and true man, to save me, a sinner. 
Oh, make use of the unfailing intercession of thy sorrows with the Father and the Son, that I may steadfastly amend my life and never again crucify my loving Redeemer by new sins. Arid that, persevering till death in his grace, I may obtain eternal life through the merits of his cross and passion. Mother of love, of sorrow, and of mercy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are some of today's breaking news and headlines for you. Catholic vote confirms. Arson is confirmed at the Oldish Parish in Salem, Oregon. Due to the suspicious circumstances of the fire, arson detectives from the Salem police responded to the scene for the investigation, resulting in the arrest of Billy James Sweeten, who is aged 48. Arriving, uh, arriving uh, Salem Fire Department personnel found the tall flames from the dumpster fire spread to the roof of the church building. Within an hour, the Salem fire crews requested assistance from other regional fire agencies as the fire was upgraded to a four-alarm status, said a press release. The Daily Wire reports roughly 100 incidents where Chinese nationalists tried to access U.S. military and sensitive sites. This is according to a report a potential spying threat has been posed by Chinese nationalists posing as tourists who tested the security of military bases as well as other sensitive sites. The officials explained that quite often the incidents occurred in rural areas where tourists are not typically found and the nationals addressed that the security guards with they address the security guards rather with what appears to be scripted language not normal discourse and when they were stopped they insisted that they had simply gotten lost. And Reuters reports, invasive species cost global economy approximately $423 billion per year, according to a UN report. Fishing grounds uh, choked by water hyacinths, songbird eggs gobbled up by rats, and power plant pipes clogged by zebra mussels, as well as electrical lines downed by brown tree snakes are just few examples of the environmental damage caused by invasive species. Uh, some scientists are even saying that the Maui wildfires uh, were caused by invasive grasses that were imported to the island. Now, their spread around the world has seen economic damages quadruple every decade since 1970. Some scientists are speculating. Now, those are some of your headlines today, but I have an update on St. Therese in the next segment that you don't want to miss. Back to you, Adrian. The Gospel of the Day comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. But because this passage is also referenced in Mark chapter 1, I'm also going to be looking at both of those together. It's the same story. Mark and Luke just give a little bit of different details so you can get a fuller picture when you read them both together. And I want to start here just in, just because I want. we're going to start towards the end and then we're going to go back to the beginning because I don't want to run out of time and miss this very, very important part of the scripture passage. In verse 26 of Mark chapter 1, it says... And the unclean spirit, tearing him and crying out with a loud voice, went out of him. Because this passage is about our Lord driving out the demoniac out of the man. Now, this story is very, very important and it has a lot of significance. But the reason why I want to focus on this line first is because many, many people today want to try to take out all of the supernatural out of the Bible. They even want to say, they, they will affirm, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus is God. Oh yeah, I totally believe that he can heal the sick and to walk on water. But they don't believe in the demonic for some reason. They don't believe in angels and demons. And so they will say, oh, no, this man was actually suffering 
from seizures, and our Lord healed him of his seizures. This is clearly not the case, because if you look at verse 26, and then you compare it with in the Gospel of Luke, where it talks about the same exact thing, it says here, that, and Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and go out of him. And when the devil had thrown him into the midst, he went out of him and hurt him not at all. Now, these two passages look together. What do we find out? We find out that the demon possessing the man started convulsing the man and started tearing the man. What does that mean? That means his body was being contorted. His body was being jerked around in violent fashion. And this happens. And yet, after the devil leaves him, there is no harm to the man. And so Cornelius Lopede commenting on this, he says, by contorting and twisting his limbs this way and that as if he wished to tear him piecemeal. And yet, when the devil finally leaves him, there is no injury. And he says that he asks here the question, why did our Lord allow this? He said Christ permitted this for three reasons. One, that it might be plain that this man was really possessed by the devil. Even in Cornelius Alapide's time, in the 1600s, people were already still denying this fact. And our Lord knew that people would be denying the demonic. And so what does Cornelius Lapide point out here? He says that our Lord knew that this was going to happen, and so he wants to make it clear that he was, in fact, possessed by the devil. Because if he was having simple seizures, then he, any kind of damage that would have happened due to the seizures would have remained. Also, our Lord would not have been confused about what he was. He is God. He would not think that the guy was possessed when he really was not. Second, that the malice and wrath of the demons might be made apparent because you have to also recognize here that he screams out, but our Lord told him to be silent. So it's a scream with no words. It's more of a, of a crying more than it is a speaking when it is, it's a scream. Now, the third thing here is that it might be clear that the demon went forth, not of his own will, because he was compelled to do so by Christ, showing Christ's power over the demonic. Now, the last thing I want to say here before we run out of time is our Lord here is talking to the demon. The demon says, why have you come? We have done nothing to thee. What do we have to do with thee? And our Lord here is, is here to, to drive out the demon. What does Cornelius Lapide point out here? He says, the demon is pointing out, look, I'm not coming after holy people. These people are sinners. They belong to me. And our Lord here comes to save the sinner not because we are owed salvation because we are all owed damnation but out of love for us because the devil here is telling the truth he does own us when we are in sin so let us return to god because he desires our salvation we'll be right back Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to meditate on Christ's passion. Wouldn't it be great if everyone meditated daily on our Lord's passion? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Offwist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that the church needs to keep up with the times? G.K. Chesterton says that all this talk about keeping up with the times has been uttered hundreds of times before. To be up to date, he says, is a paltry ambition. 
except in an almanac. The church certainly does not need to imitate the secular world. In fact, what does the word secular mean? It does not mean worldly. It does not even mean irreligious. To be secular simply means to be of the age. That is, of the age which is passing. And in the case of anyone trying to keep up with the times, the age that is already past. So what the word secular really means is dated. The church's truth is never out of date because it is eternal. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. I hope you had a great and restful Labor Day weekend. And if you did not, then um, I hope it was at least productive. <laughs> Tell you what, if you didn't have a good Labor Day weekend, take this this next weekend coming up. Take it off. There you go. There you go. Rudy's giving you permission. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was um, I was wondering, what on earth is Labor Day? What's the history of Labor Day? I don't even know. I have no clue. I should have looked that up. I think it has something to do with uh, unions of some sort. Yeah. I so know. I'm not. I'm not sure, but it might be a Marxist holiday. It might be, actually. I'm not entirely certain. Anything. I don't know anything about Labor Day. I'm just glad that it exists. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, it's, um, I hope it was restful, and I hope you did something good. It was a, a day off means a holy day of opportunity, right? So I hope you made it to Holy Mass. I did something holy on Labor Day. Uh, that would be a very good use of a day off. Now, I want to talk about some things going on in Texas. There are some good things and some bad things. And I think people are tired of me bringing up uh, California so much, but I'm going to bring up Texas for today. And I think this is very, very good news. We'll start here, and then we'll transition over to the, some bad news. So, Texas Supreme Court permits sex change restrictions for minors to be enforced. <laughs> and I think this is very important because even this story, it's good, but there is something very, very bad about it as well. And I'll tell you about it. So the te Texas put in this bill that's basically saying that you cannot transition kids. You can't give them these puberty blockers. You can't chemically castrate them. This is simply what's going to happen. It's called SB 14. This is very good. However, there is going to be, there's going to be oral arguments heard on November 28th because it's taken it to the Texas Supreme Court. So that could be bad. Now, the Texas Supreme Court seemingly would be siding on the favor of it. But the fact that it's being appealed and it's actually going all the way to the Texas Supreme Court is a bad deal. However, in the good part of it, so there's just back and forth, good news, bad news. The Texas Attorney General's office is being allowed to enforce the law until it's later overturned, God forbid. So... Effective September 1st, which was about five days ago, they're not, we're not transitioning kids anymore in Texas. So praise be to God for that. November 28th, there are going to be oral arguments being heard, and that may get overturned. It may, something else may happen. And this is why I think it's so important to talk about the transgender issues, because people tell me all the time they're sick and tired of me talking about it. But this is something that's happening right now that we can actually affect change. We are making laws about this right now, making public square rosary rallies. Uh, petitioning our legislators is something that we can actually change before it becomes too far gone. Because imagine if we did this for abortion before it became so widespread and so in, in 
enculturated into the, the laws in every state, if we had it banned systematically in every single state, then nothing, none of these things would have mattered. But we waited and we sat on our hands. The same thing we did with gay marriage. We sat on our hands. We're like, oh, it's not going to happen. Oh, that's crazy. They would never do something like that. And then we sit in our hands, and they end up doing it. And now we, we fight an uphill battle trying to tear down the thing they already built versus trying to build our own infrastructure and force them down and not allow them to gain any foothold into our culture. So now is the time to act. It's not tomorrow. It's not whenever they win, and then we can create some kind of, I don't know, charity to raise money to try to be like, oh, we're the – non-transition kids committee and you make some money off of that and you make it your next uh, two lifetime goal to try to stop mutilating children let's stop it now you can call it uh, preventative measures you know uh, as you said i mean we can take from the example of the abortion issue you know roe versus wade it just kind of propped up now and i'm thinking about this conversation we had with kim schwartz who's the uh, the director over at uh, texas, texas right to life right to life she was uh, our guest last week and she mentioned that we do have to fight for the hearts and minds of people and so this is the perfect opportunity for us to make some headway there and and talk to people about this issue and and really bring a little bit of reason into this conversation because oftentimes what we find is in these uh, conversations on transitioning kids, you know, they're they're talking about an emotional issue. Well, this kid, you know, he identifies. He's not feeling like uh, like a man anymore. He's not feeling like a boy anymore. He wants to be a woman, and and this is going to help his life and or her life. You know, it's it's confusing. It's it's an emotional issue, but we can bring in a little bit more of of reason in and truth into this this conversation. Let alone uh, a charity. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and. On top of all that, I would also say we have to be aware of these issues, especially whenever it's like the good news, because people are going to see that and they're going to say, oh, Texas bans transgender surgery for kids. Praise be to God. Woo, we won. This is very, very dangerous because we can't think that we won the war when we've simply won a battle because the left is not thinking that way. The left sees the victory that we won a battle and they're saying, okay. Well, we're going to win the war. So we're going to take it all the way to the Supreme Court, and we're going to win there. And so we have to keep fighting. We can't just sit on our hands whenever there is a situation that seems like a victory. It's good to celebrate a victory. Praise be to God. Go celebrate a victory whenever it comes, but don't think that we won the war when we've only won a battle. That's how you lose wars. Now, uh, this other story out of Texas is bad news. There is bad news, but to be fair to Texas, it's not actually our fault, but this is something that is very, very concerning, especially in regards to states' rights. And I'm a huge states' rights activist or supporter, rather. I'm not really a states' rights activist. I don't do anything in regards to state act rights. But the, the Texas banned drag queen shows around kids. Now, I would have wished that we would have just banned drag queen shows in general. That would have been great. Altogether, blanket Altogether, ban. Just blanket ban. I agree. Yeah, that would be great. Let's just not allow men to put on women's clothing and do sexual things just like in general let's just shun that from society but in a more i suppose reasonable political diplomatic move they we put up senate bill 12 which bans sexually oriented performances in the presence of persons younger than 18 i think that's pretty reasonable so that would get rid of drag queen shows for, for kids 
It would also get rid of burlesque shows for kids. Anything, any kind of thing that is sexually oriented. Uh, how about Rocky Horror Picture Show? That's pretty popular. And uh, that's going to be banned for anyone younger than 18. That seems very uh, uncontroversial, right? It seems very... Any, everybody can get behind that, I think. I think. What happened? A federal judge halted the Texas law and is saying that this is a violation of the First Amendment. That we have a First Amendment right to have sexually oriented performances in front of kids. Is that something we want in our country? Do we really want to live in a country where the First Amendment is sated as endorsing the right for people to have sexually oriented performances in front of children? Is that what the First Amendment, is that what the founding fathers meant when they had the First Amendment? They were like, man, we have to enshrine in the U.S. Constitution, in the Bill of Rights, we need it to be the fact that people can dance with women clothing in front of children. Is that what they meant? I really wonder. I really wonder. Governor Greg Abbott signed the legislation back in June, and anyone who violated that law would be subject to penalties, including up to a year in jail. Praise be to God. That would be great. And businesses that host it would have a $10,000 fine in violation of that law. But the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, and LGBT activists have been coming after this for a long time. And this is, again, another reason why we cannot pretend that we win a war when we simply won a battle. I remember when this law came back out in June, and I was like, this is great. Praise be to God. I'm glad this is happening. You cannot pretend that we've won the war when we've simply won battles because the left never gives up. They will always continue down the path. They will continue to march down and try to take every single sphere of influence, which is why we have to take every sphere of influence. It's not enough to win the governorship or the legislature or the Senate. We can't just win one of them. We have to win it all because if they can't win one way, they're going to take it to the courts and they're going to pack the courts with leftist judges because then they're going to say, well, you can pass whatever laws you want. We're just going to overturn them. Or if they take the executive, but you have the judges, where they're going to say, well, you made your decision, now enforce it. This is what they do over and over and over again. So we cannot settle for just partial victories. We have to have a total victory. And the only total victory is for Christ to be king. That's the only total victory that we can actually have that sets us on the right path. What does that mean? That means on top of everything else, we have to save souls. We have to convert our neighbor. Because Rudy was talking about converting the minds of people. But what is the best way to convert people's minds? To bring them to the Catholic faith. To bring them to the fullness of truth. People are always mentioned to me. They're like, Adrian, it's crazy. You're 25 years old. How do you know all these things? Well, I'm actually not that smart. I just look at what the church has stated for 2,000 years. And I just say that. Because if you know that, I don't have to do all the hard work. That's why an old lady who's never read any theology or philosophy books, praying her rosary at Holy Mass, knows more about God than Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates put together. One of the most brilliant men who ever lived, an old lady praying her rosary who've never studied in her life, knows God better. How is that possible? Because we have divine revelation, we have the tradition of the church, and if we cling to those things, 
we can see more clearly. To be wise is to see things according to the whole, to see things through the eyes of God. And when we have that, when we have that, it is a matter. You can be 100 years old and have studied philosophy your entire life, but if you do not have the Catholic faith, you cannot be wise and you cannot see clearly. And so this is why we have to cling to the Catholic faith, know it's whole and entire, and not run away from it. Now, the last thing I want to say here is, and going back to uh, Los Angeles news, Elon Musk in a new biography says that the Los Angeles school turned his son into a Marxist and transgender. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And something that we need to keep in mind that it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're going to send your kids to indoctrination schools, these public school systems, especially if it's somewhere like Los Angeles, you cannot expect good things to happen. He turned his, they turned his kid against him. He said that they gave him the woke mind virus was what he said. And this person, his oldest son, Xavier, became a, I guess, a woman. I don't know. It's kind of confusing trying to read these things. It's always, always a little confusing trying to figure out what exactly is going on in these stories. But nonetheless, we have to protect our kids, and we are responsible for our children. If that means we have to homeschool, then we have to do that. If that means we have to convert and run for school board and take over the schools, we have to do that. We cannot sit on our laurels. We cannot pretend that things are okay because they're not. But that should give us comfort because when things are not okay, we have an opportunity to try to take it back. We have an opportunity to be heroes. We have an opportunity to affect change. So don't let the bad news bring you down. Instead, let it be an opportunity for you, an opportunity for holiness, an opportunity for sanctity. So let's do that today. Let's reject the woke mind virus. Let's reject the leftist ideology and proclaim Christ as king instead. We'll be right back with more breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Plus, Dr. Fauci makes comments. We'll talk about it. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Which of these is the most difficult for you to objectively believe? Jonah lived in a whale? Moses heard God's voice in a bush? Peter's authoritative declarations would be backed by heaven? Or that Daniel survived the flames of fire? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the results. Most difficult was Jonah, then Daniel, then Moses. The easiest was Peter receiving authority to grant forgiveness. Secondly, the early church was tough. You see, that authority granted to Peter could put one out of the church due to sin, and that same authority was installed to bring one back into the church through personal confession. We understand that reconciliation with the church is inseparable from reconciliation with God. And thirdly, our Bibles are filled with promises, but this promise was to Peter, the apostles, and the generational successors of Peter known as the Catholic bishops. So here's an idea. Take a drive down your street, look up at a Catholic church, and just know this for a fact. That priest inside that church was ordained straight down through the lineage of St. Peter. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and uh, here are more breaking news and headlines for you. This one is from Catholic News Agency. Pope Francis to publish apostolic letter on St. Therese of Lisieux on October 15th. 
Pope Francis announced that he is writing an apostolic letter on the patron saint of missions, saying, quote, She was born 150 years ago, and on this anniversary, I intend to dedicate an apostolic letter to her, unquote, he said. The Holy Father stressed that St. Therese's life, devoted to God, forgetting about herself, loving and consoling Jesus, and interceding for the salvation of all, is going to be celebrated on the 150th anniversary of her birth and the 100th anniversary of her beatification, which are celebrated this year. For the occasion, the Holy Father has granted a jubilee year in honor of St. Therese of the Child Jesus that will last until January 7, 2024, and the theme will be for the trust, for trust and love, which are the last words of her autobiography, Story of a Soul, which I recommend you listen to. There's a wonderful audiobook version of these, uh, of this, uh, of this story. So if you can, uh, you know, spare some time for that, highly edifying for your faith. Now, Breitbart reports Texas ends sales tax on menstrual products and baby items. A new law went into effect in Texas on Friday, ending the sales tax on feminine hygiene products and family care items. This is great news. This is a huge pro-life win. Some items that no longer have sales tax include women's menstrual products, as well as diapers, baby bottles, baby wipes, maternity clothing, and breast milk pump products. The, SB, the bill, which is uh, SB 379, was signed into law by Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott in June. Texas Republican State Senator Joan Huffman sponsored the bill, which had bipartisan support. And Catholic News Agency also reports, first unborn child to be beatified with martyred family. On September 10th, Pope Francis will beatify the Ulmas, a Polish uh, family of nine who were murdered by Nazis for hiding Jews. Yosef and Victoria Ulma were declared martyrs along with their seven children in December of 2022. Their upcoming beatification bears a twofold significance to the church. Firstly, the Ulmas are not the only first family to be beatified together, but also their youngest child will be the first unborn baby to be directly honored in this way. The beatification of the Ulmas' unborn child is particularly significant since theologians have deliberated for ages over whether an unbaptized infant can merit beatitude in heaven. Father Gerald Murray, a friend of the show, a canon lawyer and pastor of Holy Family Church in New York City, comments that the unborn Ulma child, like the Holy Innocents, gave silent witness to Christ by his death, which was his baptism of blood. Ulma family, pray for us. Those were all of the headlines this morning. May uh, God bless all of your holy efforts today. Wow, that's really interesting, Rudy. I actually... I was thinking about talking about that story today and mm. put it on my docket. And I was like, eh, well, maybe later, maybe later. Uh, but I think it's really interesting because I don't, we've had holy infants before as saints, but I don't think anyone, I don't think we've ever had an unborn child as a, a beatified. Right. So yeah. it's very, very interesting. I'd be curious to see how, how these things uh, get commented on later because I have a lot of thoughts running through my head. Uh, not not ready to talk about them yet, but I think it's really interesting. Maybe we'll have uh, Father Gerald Murray back on the show. Maybe he can give idea. us a, a little bit more information. He's a canon <laughs> lawyer, and uh, we do refer to him pretty often for uh, canon advice. Yeah, I think it might be a very interesting conversation, so we'll have to think about that. Uh, let's see. There are some stories that I think are really interesting that I did want to talk about, though. And this story is a little old. It was coming out a couple weeks ago, and I had a few people wanting telling me that uh, they want to talk about it, but... Just didn't get around to. There's just always so many stories, and you just don't get around to everything. But this came out today or yesterday, and I thought it was a good jumping-off point to talk about a number of other things. So Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked to respond to a study that raised doubts about face masks being able to curb the spread 
of COVID. And this was an interview on CNN. So it's not exactly the most anti-Dr. Fauci people out there, right? And so you think, okay, what is he going to say? And so Thomas Tom Jefferson told, telling the journalist Marine DeMasi that there's a lack of evidence underpinning the effectiveness of masks and saying mask mandates were based on flawed studies. Fauci replied, yeah, but there are other studies. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis or someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there's many studies that show that there is an advantage. Now, I think this is interesting because here the CNN person, the host there, is talking about a study released in January by the Cochran Institute. I don't know uh, these groups, but these are groups that are part of the intelligentsia. These are legitimate institutions. I'm not familiar with them because I'm not familiar with medical journals in general, but these are studies that are legitimate, right? And so Dr. Fauci recognizes that legitimate. He says, when you look at the broad population level, like the Cochran study, the data are less firm with regard to the effects of the overall pandemic. So why do I bring this up? Well, the line he says here that I read at the very beginning is really, really telling. He says, quote, yeah, but there are other studies. This is really telling because people try to pretend that science is definitive, that if I quote a study to you, that the story is over. Look, I cited a peer review study. Now you have to change your opinion. There are other studies. There are always other studies. People of both sides can always cite different studies to support their conclusions. And. I say that we go with our common sense first. And whenever a study comes out there and it just makes no sense whatsoever, then you might want to just stop for a second and be like, oh, well, maybe that's not quite true. We have to have a development of our common sense and use our logic and reason when these things come up. Because a lot of us were saying things like, oh, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. I don't think masks make any sense. I'm not going to do this. And people said you were crazy for that. And yet, as time goes on, and the more you're allowed to actually talk about it and have a real discussion about it, we're finding out more and more that these things may not have been as good as we would have thought. And included speaking, speaking of studies on every side, well, we just had a new study come out saying that the use of the COVID mask may actually cause cancer and liver damage. That's really interesting because... According to a South Korean researchers, they found that these disposable masks release eight times the EPA's recommended safety limit of toxic, volatile, organic compounds. But you may say, okay, well, that's just one study, right? There are other studies saying other things. I actually found a fact-checking website with US, usatoday.com. They put out a fact-checking thing saying masks won't give you lung cancer. But if you read the actual article and you read the whole thing, it says, yes, it's true that the masks contain these chemicals that cause cancer and liver damage and lung cancer. It is not true that they're in the amount of doses that would actually give it to you. It's just low-level amounts. This has been according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. So I'm thinking, I'm reading this article, I'm thinking, okay, so you're telling me that I'm supposed to trust the FDA 
to tell me that it actually does have the safe limits that it claims it has. Whereas this other researcher is saying, yes, these chemicals exist, but they're way more than they're being reported. So did the fact-checking website actually do a medical study to see if the FDA is right? That's what I'm wondering. That's what I'm curious about. So I'm saying, okay, well, maybe these things are bad. Now, whenever I was against masks way back when, I had no idea that this was the case. All I knew was that it doesn't make sense to stick a mask on your face and to try to restrict your own breathing. I was like, that just doesn't make sense to me. And the circumstances in which we are to wear masks didn't make sense to me. If you're alone in your car, if you're walking down the street in the open air, that didn't make any sense to me. None of that made any sense. And so I was rejected it. So I had no idea that it may cause cancer and liver damage, but I just knew it didn't make sense. But now we're finding out that these things were actually bad for us. How about this one? And maybe, Rudy, you'll be familiar with this. I'm sure it's much more common in your neck of the woods back in in, uh, old, in, uh, in the Burbank area. Paper straws. Oh, boy. Don't get me started on paper straws. I, could you, if someone was, like, against paper straws, would, do you think they'd make a medical argument or would they just say they didn't like it? No, I don't think so. I think most people will go with paper straws. One, I think they may be more cost effective. And two, uh, they make this excuse that the, the plastic ends up in the ocean. And this excuse, again, is something that's taken out of context. It's more of like a marketing uh, scheme, I think, for, for some of these companies, right? Because they say, look, the plastic ends up in the oceans and it clogs up the turtles, which may be true in some sense, but they never tell you that the world's largest polluter of plastics into the ocean is actually China. So America probably it pollutes a little bit, but not as much as other countries. And then here in the States is where we enact all of these really, really stringent laws. I know in, in California that they have a law. I believe it's a law. I, I could be taking it out of context here. But the law is that you have to have uh, uh, a, a paper alternative for a straw. If not, I know they did that for sure with, uh, with grocery bags. Well, <laughs> it's, it's funny because it just came out. Fox Business reported that, that a Belgian researching team tested 39 straw brands from restaurants and found out that these eco-friendly alternatives contain forever chemicals mm. that never go away and are potentially worse than plastic straws and steel straws. That's Yikes. going right into your body. And the glue that's used has been found that it's caused problems for human beings. So you may have been against plastic straws for other reasons, but here's another one. We'll be right back with more after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know, you know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Out. Listening to Catholic Radio and getting excited about learning about your Catholic faith can be 
well, infectious. I converted uh, in my 20s to a uh, Protestant, and uh, this is the first time I've heard Catholic radio. I've been listening to it for a couple hours driving. The first time I've ever heard Catholics actually excited about what they believe. I'm going to tell you what, this has been uh, one of the greatest two hours that I've had in a while. And a special thank you to our donors for keeping Catholic radio on the air. Thank you, and may God bless you. And welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. I guess the lesson today is uh, let's use our common sense, right? That's the lesson for today. We were just talking about kind of the different research studies and what the science says. The science says we got to use paper straws to save the environment, save the turtles. But it turns out that the paper straws actually have forever chemicals that are worse for the environment. That it has the glue has says chemicals that are bad for humans, and that it's actually not really helping anything. You no, know, the, the the whole turtles with the straw thing was one case, and it's not exactly a real problem. So, <laughs> nonetheless, there you go, folks. Let's use our common sense now. It's like again, I was talking about the masks and how I was saying I didn't know that there was like these chemicals in the mask that could cause problems. I just said that it was didn't make any sense, so I wasn't going to do it. The same thing with the paper straws. I just like I don't like the way it tastes because then everything tastes papery and it dissolves in the cup while you're trying to drink it, and <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't like it, so I'm like I, I reject this. I hate it. I'm against it. And then now it comes out that these things are actually bad for us. And I'm like, how many years has it been that we've been using these paper straws? I wonder how much damage it's caused people. Uh, so let's reject those things and let's uh, just be normal. That's why can't we just be normal? That's just that's all. That's all I want. Now. Speaking of using our common sense, did you hear about this story about the uh, the papal advisor, Father Antonio Spadaro? No. What did he say this time? So Father Spadaro, he's well known as a papal advisor. He's been given several interviews with Pope Francis, um, which he has published because he's, I believe, the uh, Civitas. He's one of the journal, the uh, editor in chief, I believe. I could be wrong about that. Got to double check that. Is this our uh, our resident uh, atheist who meets with uh, Pope Francis all the time? No, no, no. That's um, Scalfari. Scalfari. That's right. Uh, Spadaro is a Jesuit priest, um, which I guess couldn't be understood, uh, the confusion there. But the Father Spadaro, he blasphemed our Lord Jesus Christ. Very, very concerning that a Jesuit would do that. Society of Jesus. They literally have the holy name on all of their things, and yet they're willing to blaspheme the holy name of our Lord. So before I jump into this, people are going to be wondering, because I, I mentioned that I was going to talk about the Synod on Synodality. Pope Francis made his comments on an in-flight press conference, uh, but I'm actually not going to talk about it today because I reached out because his comments, he actually came after the TFP and accused them of not following the creed it was kind of confusing his comments and i reached out to the tfp and they said they are actually going to be putting out a response um written response and either today or tomorrow and so i'm going to wait for their response and then i'll we'll discuss it and, and maybe i'll invite um whoever writes the response on to talk about it but uh i did want to just point that out that i the story is very very interesting to see but the synod on synodality and his response here especially in regards to Cardinal Burke as well. People are kind of focusing in on the Cardinal Burke aspect of it, 
but they don't realize that the whole book is actually with the TFP and Colonel Burke really just wrote the forward and that's about it. And so the comments here are, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. So we'll, we'll talk about this for sure. Um, but probably either tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, so back to the story of Father Spadaro. And Edward Pinton put out a excellent article explaining the situation. He says, Father, uh, one of Pope Francis' closest advisors, Jesuit Father Antonio Spadaro, has been accused of heretical blasphemy after portraying the Lord as a flawed human being in need of conversion from, quote, nationalism and, quote, rigidity. Writing in, and I'm not even going to try to read this, Italian, Italian, in a, in a highly secular left-wing Italian daily, Father Spadaro reflected on the gospel story of the faith of a Canaanite woman and concluded that, and listen to this, concluded that Jesus was healed and freed from the rigidity of the theological, political, and cultural elements dominant in his time. Imagine thinking that the Lord of the universe, that God himself, omniscient, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, omnibenevolent, all-good, that he was rigid and he needed to be freed and healed from rigidity of theological, political, and cultural elements. It's the same people who say the reason why our Lord didn't make women priests is because of the element, cultural elements of the time, that it would have been too shocking for him to make women priests. But now, if our Lord came back today, he would have totally done that. He's God, guys. Let's use our common sense here. Let's think about it for a second. Okay, if an atheist said this, okay, I can see why you would think that because you don't believe that he's God. But if you believe that our Lord is God, you're going to think he made a mistake? Our Lord was crucified because he said, I am God. That was not culturally insensitive enough, but, but something else would have been. There was something else that it would have been too culturally insensitive that our Lord wouldn't went across that line, but he's willing to infuriate the Jews to the point of crucifixion. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Now, the story from the Gospel of Matthew is con- that concerns Father Spadaro here is the Canaanite woman begging our Lord to heal her daughter who was possessed by a demon. Now, you have to remember the Canaanites were absolutely the most wicked of people. They had child sacrifice. The Canaanites, literally, they were referring back to Cain. The Canaanites were the enemies of the Jewish people from all of salvation history. Just go read the entirety of the Old Testament. And so what does our Lord do? Our Lord initially refuses to help her. Why? He says, I came for the lost sheep of Israel, saying that I came for the Jews. And yet the woman persists begging her, begging him to heal his daughter. And what does our Lord do? Our Lord calls her a dog. And so people are like, oh my goodness, that's so bad. And then our Lord, the lady persists and says, well, you are right. But even the dogs receive the crumbs from the master's table. And our Lord then heals her daughter. Now, the Father Spadaro here comes in and says, see, he was, his mind was changed. He was rigid and he was with the, you know, because the Jews refer to Gentiles as dogs. He was doing the same thing that the culture demanded. And yet the softness of the heart of the woman converted our Lord. That is a blasphemy. That is a blasphemy of our Lord 
to say that he converted, to say that he was bad and he changed his mind. So let's look at what the Jesuit tradition says. So that's Father Spadaro, SJ, in the 21st century. What does Cornelius Alapide, 16th century, 1600s Jesuit, have to say about this passage? He says here that he calls her a dog because this was what would have been normal in the society at the time, and recognizing the fact that this was a common accusation against them, because our Lord is setting something up here. Our Lord is not dumb. He's not insensitive. He's setting something up. And you recognize the faith of the woman because she recognized the truth of it. He's like, yeah, you're right. He's like, I am. And that should be the disposition of you and I. Because what does it say? Like a dog returns to his vomit, so we return to our sin. Because we are dogs. We return to our vomit and we eat it. That is us returning to our sin. We commit sin. We go to confession. And two weeks later, what do we do? We commit the same sin again. And so is she wrong? But what does she do? She says in humility, she accepts the fact that she is a sinner, that her whole line of people are wicked sinners, and says, but I desire the crumbs of your table. And so what is the analogy there? Cornelius Lapide points out that the Jews would have dogs at their table, but it would have been wrong for the master of the house to take the food from the table that belonged to the children and give it to the dogs. But it was normal that after the children have eaten, you give the scraps to the, to the dogs. And so that's what the woman is referring to, or, or the woman refers to that exact passage. And Cornelius Lapide points this out and meditates upon this and shows that we too are like this. He says here, Christ speaks after the manner of the Jews who were wont to call the Gentiles as being vilest idolaters, dogs. This is the second repulsion of the Canaanite woman by Christ is sterner than the first. He pricks her, as it were, by calling her a dog, to whom it's customary to throw crust of bread. But by bread, he means not corporeal, but spiritual bread, namely the grace of the gospel and of his miracles, for they were promised to the Jews alone as the sons of God. Now Mark adds that Christ said, suffer the children first to be filled. And in like manner, Christ often humbles and mortifies holy souls. Now, this is important to note because our Lord came to the Jews and what did the Jews do? They rejected him. And so he goes to the Gentiles and he brings salvation to all people. Now, he says here, but she said, yea, Lord. Now, she means to say, and this is what Cornelius Lapide explains the meaning of her words, it is altogether true what thou sayest, O my Savior. I acknowledge that I am a worthless dog and not worthy that the children's bread should be given to me, who am a Gentile. Yet the dogs and the curse are wont to eat the crumbs of bread which fall from the tables of their master's children. Nourish me then as thy dog. I cannot leave my master's table. You cannot drive me from thee, either by rough words or by blows. I will not leave thee until thou givest me what I ask. Give me, therefore, a most merciful Lord, only a crumb. Give me the least favor of my daughter's health. Let this one crumb fall among Gentiles, and I will gather it up. Now our Lord here rejoices, because this is what he wanted. He wanted her to express her faith. He wanted her to knock, to seek, to find. 
Because it is in persistence of prayer that you can actually be saved. It is in modesty and humility that Christ answers prayers. It is not in correcting our Lord that God answers prayers. It is not thinking that you are greater than God, but is instead in humility. So this is very, very concerning that somebody of such famous recognition, like Father Spadaro, would say something so against what the Jesuit tradition has always interpreted this passage to mean. So there you have Cornelius Lapide recognizing the truth of the gospel, whereas Father Spadaro says that our Lord Jesus Christ is indifferent to suffering, is irritable and insensitive, is harsh and unmerciful, is mocking and disrespectful. Imagine calling Almighty God. I would hate to be Father Spadaro on the day of judgment with those words on his mouth. I would rather be like St. John Chrysostom, like St. Thomas Aquinas, like Cornelius Alapide, and recognize the truth of what the gospel says and the truth of who our Lord Jesus Christ is. He does not make mistakes. Let's use our common sense here. Let's think about this for a second. And let's turn to our Lord and be like the Canaanite woman. Let's be like the Canaanite woman and say, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. Yea, I am a dog, but feed me nonetheless. Let's imitate her and recognize ourselves in our sins and act in humility. We'll be right back. Debbie Giorgiani is joining us in just one moment. Ever feel like life's just too busy and too much? There's constant noise, social life, traffic, work, paying bills. It just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. See, God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever replaced pronouns in the Bible such as who, whom, whosoever, ye, you, etc., and replaced those words with your name and therefore you personalize the Bible to yourself? Do you do that? Is that a safe way to read the Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, Bible complexity. Mechanics study motors. Architects study design. Linguists study syntax. But for the most part, Christians don't study the how-tos of safe biblical interpretation called hermeneutics. Secondly, Aquinas. In the Summa, we see the caution. Aquinas says of the Bible, quote, the manner of its speech transcends every science because in one and the same sentence, while it describes a fact, it reveals a mystery and thoroughly a tough comeback. I know it seems plausible to simply say the Bible is a love letter straight from God to humanity, but wait a minute. A sentence or a paragraph in a love letter has context. Yes, with great caution, we can personalize some context, but remember, when you're at the central figure in the Bible, God isn't, and that's just wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Victory in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. 
The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's Word. We receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. I'm Alejandra with Special Youth Services at the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. The woman who, the Canaanite woman who sought our Lord to heal her daughter, possessed by demons, and the gospel of the day was also about the man who's possessed by a demoniac. Our Lord drives out of him from the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Mark. And so, coincidentally, or maybe providentially, I guess would be a better better use of the word. Let's let's take the word coincidentally out of our vocabulary. Let's say providentially. And providentially, Debbie Giorgiani is joining us this morning to talk about The Spirit World, which airs every Saturday at, at 10 a.m. So, good morning to you, Debbie. Good morning, Adrian. Thank you so much. I hope you had a blessed Labor Day weekend. I did. I did. Very restful. I spent a lot of time. I slept a little bit more. Uh, didn't wake up early, and then so it was very good for that for that reason alone. But uh, how about yourself? Um, it was very relaxing. I'm a little bit under the weather, though. I don't know if it was just you know the what's going on here um, uh, climate wise in Arizona. Uh, but it's but it's okay. I'll bounce back. Um, so it's all good. But uh, yeah, very relaxing. So thank you so much. And we, I hope our listeners, you know, had a t- had time to just uh, recharge and relax and kind of regroup and get ready. You know, we, we're starting a new school season, so it's always it always comes with a lot of issues, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's every every single year. And is that the uh, the discussion for the Saturday? This Saturday is actually going to be our mail, our monthly mailbag ah. and open forum. And um, it's it, it's funny you should bring this up. Ironic, actually. Um, several of the mailbag comments uh, that have come into the spirit world have to do with um, our college age kids and also those that are um, starting the school year in the elementary level. Things that are happening that are becoming very normalized in in the school on the school campus um it's it's very it's very troubling adrian but you know we're trying we can't tackle everything we are just trying to give um parents and grandparents the necessary knowledge and you're talking about using common sense and and to really you know use logic and facts to get the facts right and that's very important especially when it comes to our children and grandchildren we cannot just assume that somebody in an authority position is telling us the truth anymore. It's it's and that's the troubling part of it. Yes, for sure, for sure, that is a huge deal. And I I bring this up all the time because uh, I always mention that we live in in very difficult times. But every age has is difficult times. Every they just have different crosses. And I always say our cross is that we have to be informed Catholics. Uh, we don't have the luxury of just trusting whatever anybody says, whether it be the government whether it be the experts, 
or whether it be necessarily your priests and bishops. It, we have to be informed Catholics. We have to know our faith. We have to know what's going on. We don't have the luxury of burying our head in the sand. Um, what do you think about the situation in the schools right now? We talked. I was talking earlier about Elon Musk is attributing his son or maybe his daughter. I'm kind of confused, to be honest, about the article the of being transitioned by the L.A. school system and turning his kid into a Marxist and turning him against him. What do you what do you say to parents that are sending their kids off to school and they're worried about these things being a possibility for them? I think you have to be really uh, courageous and bold and be the type of parent that you are going to uh, show your face on campus. You're going to let the the administration and the teachers know that you are a, a very engaged parent and you're very active and you will be there at a moment's notice. Um, you've got to be ready. It, this is this, this isn't funny anymore. This, these are our children. Okay, this is not. This is so, uh, Adrian. It's so different from when I raised um, uh, my my kids. Very different. You know, my 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 boys are thirty three and twenty six, and when they when they were in elementary school, we had the whole neighborhood used to watch out for the kids, all the kids. Right now, it's 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 so different. It really has to be that primary parent um, really watching out for for that child at at all and on every at every corner. I mean, that's where the threats are coming. And when we let our guard down, that's when that's when things can happen. And when they snowball, we've seen this happen, Adrian. When they snowball, it's very difficult for the parents to exercise their parental authority at that point. So do it ahead of time. Go in ahead of time telling everyone that you are a very um, active parent and you are you have your child's best interest at heart and that's all that matters. You have to establish that up front. I think it's very important. Yes, and the the fact that, that parents are not it's not like you said, this there's no luxury in just like being able to drop your kid off of school and thinking they're not gonna try to do anything bad to your kid. And it's uncomfortable. It, it is uncomfortable because the parents want to be, I mean, everybody, we all, every human being desires human respect. And you don't want to be that parent. Nobody wants to be that parent that comes into the school and makes a muck and the teachers don't like them. And the president, the principal rolls their eyes whenever the, whenever you show up at the, at the office, you, no one wants to be that person. But right. be, we have to be, we have to, that's going to have to be an act of courage that we kind of, tamp down our pride of not wanting of wanting human respect and try to actually go in for the sake of the kids mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely adrian and and we don't have to go in with this you know kind of bully mentality you know you just go in um, reminding everyone who you are you are that child's parent and you, you you know it's very important to you it's your it's your um primary job to raise that child and it's not it's not the administration or the teachers or the government or anything else. I mean, it is it's very important. It's very sacred. Mm. And it, and that's what you just need to educate people around you. I would anyway. And by the way, Adrian, just so you know, I, I, I'm a grandmother now, but I am a, a bit uh, well versed in this because I'm a life coach. And a lot of my clients come to me with this exact problem that they take their child to the pediatrician or they take their child to um, some school meeting and they, they are told by the doctor or they're told by the teachers to, to please wait outside in the, mm. in the waiting room. 
that wouldn't happen on my watch, Adrian. That would never happen. I would say bye bye. Here, my my child is leaving. I mean, that's it. You don't separate parents and children like that. No, for sure. And my mom was the same way. My whenever anything like that happened, she was like, "Well, look, if I have to turn around for a second, then I'll turn around, but I'm staying in the room." Um, right. And that was how it that's was right. as a as a parent, as a, in a in the pediatrician's office as a kid. And that's mm-hmm. how it was uh, for anything. If my mom, if they asked her to leave the room, she was like, well, first of all, what is going on that I have to leave the room? And then if they said something that my mom thought was somewhat reasonable, then she'd say, okay, well, then let me just turn around, but I'm not leaving the room. And I think that's something that is, is a perfectly reasonable response to someone asking you to be alone with their kid. Uh, they don't right. think anybody has a right to be alone with your child. Right. That you have a great mother. That is a wonderful. And yeah, that's that's exa- that's how courageous you have to be. You have to be brave. You can't be worried about what people think. You have to just say, "No, this is my child." And so there there's a lot happening. And and of course, Adrian, as you, you know, weave it into the spirit world, which airs on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 10 a.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on uh, Saturdays. Um, we cover a lot of this, in, and this will be covered in the mailbag show this weekend, hopefully, about, you know, that that this is how the, the cracks in the foundation here where the devil can get in, and it's difficult. It's very difficult. It's not, it's not impossible, but it's difficult to get the devil out at that point. We were just talking, and it's funny you say that, because at the top of the show, I was talking about how the, the transgender movement is on the rise. It's easier if we stamp it out now and build an edifice against it from rising up and taking the laws, then if we wait until they eventually take up everything and then try to win the battle afterwards, is this seems to be, is that the same way in the spirit world? I would, I believe so. From what I've seen in ministry um, for the past uh, over 30 years, Adrian, I, I really believe that it's the slippery slope thing. Everybody says, oh, well, that's not such a bad thing. That's not, you know, that's not going to hurt anybody. Oh, we're doing the kind thing. Oh, we're preventing, you know, people from, from taking their own life. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. And that's how the devil works. Remember, the devil comes in. Satan comes in as a friend. Satan comes in as as making all these promises. And then it turns. Mm-hmm. And and I think we're seeing that now in the world. Now, tell me this, then. The the people, I mean, you have uh, young people walking around the streets, hanging out, just like going downtown and things like that. And... Oftentimes you'll see, especially if you're somewhere like New Orleans or things like that, people doing things like reading, uh, you're reading your palm or reading your mm-hmm. future. And someone might be curious and be like, oh, someone claims they can tell me something uh, occult, something hidden, something secret. And so you go to them and talk to them and they tell you something that is like impossible for anyone else mm-hmm. to know. It's impossible. And they, there's no amount of research that they could have done to be able to find this out about you. Um What's going on there? Is that opening a door for them? What do they? Yeah. What does a kid do if they encounter that and they realize that they might have just gotten into something that they didn't want to? Right. Well, that's how the devil works. Remember, the devil's going to start off as knowing things that only that only that only can be known um, supernaturally, right? And so, so all of a sudden, you say, "Well, there's no way they could know that that was my grandmother who had that handkerchief in that uh, top drawer uh, of the dresser." Okay, so that must be real. Well, you know, they're fallen. They're fallen angels. Okay, they have a lot of knowledge. 
And so, of course, they're going to they're going to come in the front door like that with this idea that only only the other side can know this. And so so that's what happens. So people let their guard down and they say, well, well, they only it must be God because only God knew that about grandma's handkerchief. No, 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 Um, because the other side knows a lot. Okay, and the demons know a lot. And so that's how they start. And they and they convince you that it's good, and then it turns. Adam Blight, a religious demonologist, talks about this many times during the spirit world, that there is a turning point, and it turns, and then the devil feels, the, uh, the demons feel they have you, you're hooked, and now they can they want something from you. They they now it now turns destructive and and despair sets in all sorts of things that are not of God. You have to be careful just because somebody has the 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 quote unquote secret family information coming from the other side that doesn't mean that is good. It's against God's commands. We have to um, reject it and go and to confession if you're Catholic or ask God for forgiveness and reject all of it. So that was going to be my follow-up. It's like, how do you, how does a, a kid respond to that? They may be freaked out. They realize, like, oh my goodness, maybe my mom was right about not doing those things. Thought it was just a joke, but they gave me very specific information. Is it mm-hmm. going to confession? Is it? Is it? What do they? Yeah. What does a kid do after that? Yeah, sincere act of contrition. Ask God uh, for forgiveness for disobeying Him and His commandments. And also, um, uh, if you're if you're Catholic, go to the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, reject all of it. Um, ask God for forgiveness. Ask God to to remove all of any attachment at all. Remove it all, please, God. Remove it all. And start fresh, and and God understands that because we can be we can be duped very easily as as human beings because we want to, we want to still connect with our loved ones that have passed or or other information about our future. Okay, if the intention is the intention by the person is not is not necessarily bad. It's a curiosity of, of, of attachment, but it's not the right way to go with God. It's very dangerous. God, God commands against it, um, to do ex- that. And it's not a proper, only God, only God. And it's reserved only for God, that God knows the future, what is important, the God's providence, God's plan. And we are not to be manipulating that or even trying to get the, the secret scoop, if you will. It's, it's very mm. dangerous. Amen. Amen. So if you would like those kind of questions answered and much, much more, uh, well, make sure you tune in on Saturday, 10 a.m. Central, 11 Eastern across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. Uh, Debbie, is uh, is it open line as well or just mailbag? Um, you can call in. Yeah, it's it's going to be a live call in show. So, yeah, we, we welcome all calls to come in from we were on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So we hope we get calls from all around the world. Awesome. Praise be to God. So tune in on Saturday morning. Thank you. God bless you, Debbie. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks to your whole team. You guys do a great job. Amen. God bless you. Uh, tune in 10 a.m. Central, 11 Eastern across the GRN and Catholic Spirit Radio to tune in and call in and ask your questions. But we're going to go into, speaking of calling in, our Fear and Trembling Game Show. Call now, 877-757-9424. That's the number to call, and you could be a winner. We're giving away prizes 877-757-9424. It's super easy. All easy question Tuesday. That number, 877-757-9424. We always take the first caller one last time. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Have you ever thought, well, why can't a prayer at a Catholic Mass cause the Holy Spirit to come upon the bread and wine and thus turn it into the actual body and blood of Jesus? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, remember, three of the most magnificent miracles were a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or something such as the Holy Spirit came upon the face of the deep and God created the world. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she brought forth Jesus in her womb. Secondly, a boatload of scriptural support, such as 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And thirdly, my honest reflection. Your transformation after a prayer for conversion was not and is not noticeable in the human eye. So then why do you reject a prayer which transforms bread and wine into Jesus' body and blood? I know the reason. Just a whole bunch of people have told you that. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. <laughs> it's a much more warm and open place and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Nine four two four. That's the number to call to be part of the game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. What do you have to do to win that prize? It's very simple. You just pick up your phone and dial 877-757-9424. Very simple, very easy. We'd love to have you. I'll just go ahead and pick up the phone and dial that number. And if you're the first caller, you will be the contestant. Now, you may be asking, what am I listening to? What exactly am I calling into? It's very simple. I have here three Catholic trivia questions. The trick is I'm not going to ask you the question. Instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the question, and it's going to be your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. You can win a set of the three hearts magnet and pin sets. This is a very beautiful set that will look amazing on your backpack, on your jacket, or even on your corkboard, and it's going to help you to reflect on the wonderful qualities of the Holy Family. Now, this prize was generously sponsored by Ginny and Sage Catholic Design, who are a husband and wife team, and they have been creating beautiful faith-filled jewelry, or faith-inspired jewelry, rather, and home decor since 2018. Their hope is always that the, what they're, whatever they create reflects the beauty of God and will draw people more deeply into the fullness of faith. I encourage you, dear listener, if you uh, have an Instagram, follow them, at Ginny and Sage. I'm going to spell it out for you. It's a unique spelling here. That's uh, Ginny and Sage. And uh, Ginny is G-I-N-N-Y and S-A-J-E. Their Etsy page is etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Ginny and Sage. And I'm going to spell it one more time. That's G-I-N-N-Y and S-A-J-E. Ginny and Sage, thank you so much for generously sponsoring our game show this week. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for sponsoring the game show. We are very grateful 
for your generous sponsorship. Um, but let's see. Joining us right now, let's see. One second. We're waiting on uh, Taylor to get that information to us. And there you go. Uh, good morning to you, Houston. Yes, sir. Houston, your name's Houston. Yes, sir. That's awesome. Praise be to God. What a great name. And he lives in San Antonio. And he lives in, where do you live? Uh, I live in Panama City, but my phone's from San Antonio. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> That's were, hilarious. Were you, uh, were you born in San Antonio, or were you, uh, from, uh, were you born in Florida? No, I was born in Arlington, Texas. In Arlington, Texas. All over the place, man. All over the place. That's pretty awesome. Um, I've, I, I've only ever met one person in my life named Houston, so now you're the second person that I've met with the name Houston. So that's pretty awesome. Praise you to God. Well, welcome to the show. You um, sounds like a pretty cool guy. He he just must have been if he has a great name like Houston, I would say. Now, Houston, where are you off to this morning? Work. Work? What's work? Are you a, let's see, um, in Florida, so he must be a fisherman, right? Like there's a, That's what people do in Florida, right? Maybe not. Maybe not. He's a professional no, hurricane rider. I'm in the Air Force. Oh, he's in the Air Force. Nice. Praise you to God. Thanks well, for your service. Yeah, thank you for your service. Um, here we uh, we love the Air Force. No matter what anyone says, I think the Air Force rocks. So praise be to God, you are a good man. Praise be to God. Now, uh, Houston, tell me, are you familiar with the game? Do you know how the game works? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So let me explain <laughs> it to you. I'll explain how the game works. It's really simple here. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. But the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. I'm actually going to ask Rudy the questions, and Rudy's going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. You're going to see whether or not he is trying to deceive you, and even if you just guess, you have a 50-50 chance of getting the question right. Are you ready to play? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Question number one for you, Rudy. Okay, I'm ready. The question on the board. Jesus is identified as, quote, a priest forever according to the order of... That Who is, is that person? the order of Levi. The order now, of Levi. If you Levi. remember the beginning of the, of the Bible, you know, we have the, the accounts of them building the tabernacle and all this stuff. Mm. Well, the priestly mm. order that, that followed that was actually the order of Levi. The order of Levi, you yes. say. Okay. Okay, I'm hearing what you're saying. Um, uh, you've read the Bible before, of course, I'm, I'm sure. Um, well, the question on the board for you, Houston. I, Houston, are you a Bible reader? Do you read your Bible? Yes. Then you Not may... as much as I should. <laughs> Same. <laughs> well, let's see how well you know your Bible. The question on the board, 15 seconds on the clock. Jesus is identified as a priest forever according to the order of who... Rudy says the order of Levi. What say you, Houston from Florida? He is wrong. It's the order of Melchizedek. Well, let's see if you're right. Let's check the board there. That is correct. Wow. Way to go, Houston. Houston. That go. is correct because he is a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, the one who offered bread as Man, a sacrifice. Right. And so our Lord offers bread, but it is his body itself. So praise be to God. That is amazing, Houston. Um, that's one for one. It's a 100% success rate so far. Are you ready for question number two? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Rudy, the question on the board. Who is the patron saint of florists? 
patron saint of Flora. Mm-hmm. So if you listened last week, mm. you may have heard Adrian mention this saint as another little flower. That's Saint Rita. Saint Rita. Saint Rita, patron saint of Flores. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that about Saint Rita. Well, let's find out whether or not you are correct, though. Houston, the question on the board. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is the patron saint of Florist? And Rudy says it's Saint Rita. If you were listening last week, he says, according to Rudy, we talked about that. Um, what say you, Houston? Is he trying to trick you or is he telling you the truth? Is the patron saint of Florist actually Saint Rita? What say you, Houston from Florida? I am not that familiar with saints because I'm a convert, but I'm going to say no because he said the little flower, which I believe is St. Therese of Lisboa. All right. Let's check and see if he's right there. Uh, survey says Ed is correct. <laughs> oh, my God. Way man. to go, Houston. Woo-wee. Yeah, St. Therese of the Child Jesus in the Holy Face. It's that St. Therese, a little flower. That is the correct answer. So not only did he get that you were trying to trick him, but he also got the right answer. He's just, I mean, I love converts. Yeah, just converts, very, they yeah. know everything. It's amazing. Also, we uh, the, the first we talked about last week was St. Rose of Lima. Oh, St. Rose <laughs> of Lima. That's right. I confused St. Rose of Lima with St. Rita. My bad. No problem. No yeah. problem. Uh, not Either way, it was St. Tresla Sue. Doesn't St. Rita have a flower? She has a thorn in her head. She has the stigmata of the crown of thorns. Yeah, see, yeah, the, yeah. therefore, a flower therefore. thorn uh, on her forehead, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's because the florist, they oh, always, uh, they get they get stuck mm-hmm. by the, yep. Uh, mm-hmm. by yeah, the I'm following. The, yep, there we go. Mm-hmm. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yep. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We followed. We followed. All right, Houston. Clear as mud. Uh, you're two for two. 100% success rate. Let's see if you can keep that 100% success rate. Are you ready for question number three? Yes, sir. All right, I got to warn you. I got to warn you, Houston. This could be the hardest and the trickiest question we've ever had on the history of Catholic Drive Time forward slash Fear and Trembling Game Show. Are you ready? I am. All right, Rudy, question. What is the English translation? I don't want you to tell me in French. I know you just like randomly break out into French, Rudy. Wee oui, um, oui. Yes, yes. Um, I want you to in English. What is the English translation for the Latin word levate? Are you sure you want me to say this on air? You can translate it. You can chant it. You don't have to say it. Well, it might activate some of our sleeper agents, but I'm oh. going to say it anyway. The Latin word levate, it means rise up. Oh, I see what you're saying. And the way you sang it, too. You're you saying it when it goes down and then it goes up. Levate. Interesting. So Interesting. if you're not familiar with that, that's actually sung in the uh, in the old, uh, the traditional Latin Mass for Holy Week. Mm. On Good Friday, there's a lot of kneeling and standing and kneeling and standing. So uh, in the, the traditional Latin Mass, you hear levate. And that's your cue to get up and uh, stand up again. Uh-huh. <laughs> Continue I see. praying. I see what you're saying. All right, Houston. He had a very elaborate story there about Latin masses and holy weeks and, and chanting and all sorts of crazy things. I never, I don't know. Uh, what say you, Houston? 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what is the English translation for the Latin word levate? Well, Rudy seems to think it means rise up. What say you, Houston, in Florida? I am not a Latin 
native Latin speaker either, so that makes sense because it sounds like levitate, so I'm going to trust you. All right, let's check. Survey says... That is correct, Houston. Way to go. Praise be to God. You are, in fact, correct. It does mean rise up. And you're right. It's like levitate. It's like levitate. You rise up. And, yeah, Rudy's story was uh, was accurate. It was, in fact, a something that was said very commonly to tell people, tell the people of God to stand up and when to kneel because it got a little confusing. But praise be to God. You rocked it, Houston. Uh, how do you feel? Uh, very blessed. Very blessed. Praise be to God. And you did excellent, so I'm, uh, I'm very impressed. You got a 100% success rate. Uh, when did you come into the church? In 2018. In 2018. So that makes you, let me do math on air. That's a rule. Don't do math on air. You are five years old in the faith. Praise be to God. Well, welcome home. I'm very happy to have you, and I'm sure everyone else is too. We'll be praying for your faith journey. Uh, God bless you, and God love you. Thank you. Well, stay on the line. We're going to put you on hold, and we're going to make sure we get your contact information. Uh, should we draw your name out on Friday, we want to make sure that you get that prize. Uh, so stay on the hold. But God bless you. God love you, and have a blessed day. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. Just hop on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter. And we'd love to chat with you directly. You can leave your comment there, and we would love to ask to answer your questions. And there was something that I mentioned that we were going to talk about in the after show, but I completely forgot what it was. So maybe somebody can remind me, and we'll talk about that in the after show. Uh, but if not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. And have a blessed day. Remember, Christ is King. And Christ is risen, and truly, he is risen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. live at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel, home of the Soul community. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Teresa of Calcutta. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered for all those who are joining us on Guadalupe Radio, online, and those here present. Ye holy angels bright, who wait at God's right hand, or through the realms of light fly at your Lord's command. Assist our song, for else the theme too high will seem for mortal tongue. Ye saints who toil below, adore your heavenly King.
And onward as ye go, some joyful anthem sing. Take what he gives, and praise him still through good or ill, whoever lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who have taught your church to keep all the heavenly commandments by love of, love of you as God and love of neighbor, grant that practicing the works of charity after the example of Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, we may be worthy to be numbered among the blessed in your kingdom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Concerning times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need for anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief at night. When people are saying, peace and security, then sudden disaster comes upon them like labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness for that day to overtake you like a thief. For all of you are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us stay alert and sober. For God did not destine us for wrath, but to gain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, as indeed you do. The word of the Lord. I believe that I shall see the good things of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my life's refuge, of whom should I be afraid? I believe that I shall see the good things of the Lord in the land of the living. One thing I ask of the Lord, this I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may gaze on the loveliness of the Lord and contemplate his temple. 
I believe that I shall see the good things of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe that I shall see the bounty of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord with courage. Be stout-hearted and wait for the Lord. I believe that I shall see the good things of the Lord in the land of the living. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. A great prophet has arisen in our midst, and God has visited his people. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town of Galilee. He taught them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching because he spoke with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man with the spirit, of a, the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out in a loud voice, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down in front of them and came out of him without doing him any harm. They were all amazed and said to one another, What is there about his word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And news of him spread everywhere in the surrounding region. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. That first reading, we end the letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Tomorrow we begin the letter to the Colossians. But in that last exhortation, St. Paul says, encourage one another and build one another up with the word of God. That says, we are children of light, not of the darkness. So it should not catch us off guard when the Lord comes. Whenever he's going to come, it is up to the Lord. But we should always be ready. Of course, the Gospels last week, Jesus reminded so many different ways to be watchful, to be ready. You know, the, if, if the owner of the house knew when the thief was coming, he would have stayed up all night so the thief couldn't break in. In similar, similar ways, St. Paul is telling us the same thing, to be watchful, to be ready. And we have to be careful that there's those times when we say peace and security, although I don't know if we can say that about these days so much. But even perhaps even interiorly, we say, oh, everything is just fine. And that's when it's going to catch us off guard. So we should always be awake. And as St. Paul mentions a very important word, to be sober. Now, so sobriety is just has to do primarily, of course, with drink. But not just, not just that, if we expand that a little bit, that sobriety really means uh, a sort of a prudence in the things of this world, that we don't, get, of course, get caught up in the things of this world and they don't sort of blind us from uh, or being blindsided by the Lord's coming. What also keeps that wor what also keeps us uh, that uh, keeps us awake and ready and encourages and encourages us in one another is that word of God, which we see so powerfully 
in the gospel today. Yesterday we heard that Jesus, he, he goes and he gives his first homily. And that homily has this tremendously profound effect, the graciousness of his words, but it also kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Now this word this has great authority because what Jesus says happens. With God, he says and it is. Now when he says to this demon, quiet, come out of him, it comes out. And the people are like, what is this about his word? He speaks it and it happens. I'm sure they had prayed for this man who had an unclean demon. You know, all, many around him, his friends, his family, even those who did not know them, prayed for this man. And nothing seemed to happen. Yet Jesus comes and his quiet come out of him and he comes out. It's interesting also to contrast the fact that Jesus is preaching. They're astonished by his word um, in awe. And yet here comes this man with an unclean demon. It makes all this ruckus. Loud and banging pots and pans and these different things. And Jesus simply says, quiet. Be quiet. Come out of him. And so you go for this ruckus to this peace and quiet. Because with Jesus, there's always this peace and quiet. Coming back to that word, that word has such a tremendous and powerful effect. For us, <clears throat> for us to stay watchful, to be sober, and to encourage one another to have that word deeply implanted in our heart. I always say one, one good suggestion is that there, are, there is the word of God that uh, has had an, an impact on our life personally. We should have a little journal which has all of those words of God, the word, the scriptures, the word of God, that has somehow touched our life throughout our entire life. Because with that word, God is always forming us. He's forming us and conforming us to his son. Those words have a deep and profound meaning for us. We should keep them and, and meditate upon them and, and treasure them, just like Our Lady did. But that word, I would say, when you look at the great saints, even somebody like St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, it seems to me there is one word of God that somehow is, has transformed the world through them. For St. Teresa of Calcutta, it was the very words of Jesus on the cross, I thirst. And she made it her whole life to try to quench the thirst of Christ and to try to quench it by, of course, serving by do, through, through those corporal and spiritual works of mercy, by serving those who were most poor. She wanted to slake the thirst of Christ, but it was that one word, just that one word that had such, a, that had such great authority and that transformed her life and then had this powerful effect. A person who lived as a child of the light had this powerful effect on everyone else. I think it's the same for us. Maybe it's not as clear yet. Maybe it only becomes clear over time. But that one word that Jesus has spoken into existence in a way through us and that we become that light for the world. May we discover what that word of God is in our life and live it profoundly. So St. Paul said, we are no longer children of darkness. We are children of the light. Let our light shine so brightly before men that may they see our good works and give glory to the Father. Amen. We have gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mystery of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God 
the whole water, the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. For all who have bowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to the resolve. Let us pray to the Lord. For peace among nations that delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart. Let us pray to the Lord. For the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as our brothers and sisters. Let us pray to the Lord. Through the powerful intercession of St. Teresa of Calcutta, that we as the children of light may practice deeply the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves gathered here, for those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, that as God does not cease to, not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. Let us pray to the Lord. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting they may obtain by your ready generosity, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, the fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed God Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Receive, O Lord, the offerings of your people, and grant that we who celebrate your Son's work of boundless charity may, be, may by the example of Blessed Teresa of Calcutta be confirmed in love of you and of our neighbor, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For in the marvelous confession of your saints, you make your church fruitful with strength ever new, and offer us your signs of your love. And that your saving mysteries may be fulfilled, 
Their great example lends us courage. Their fervent prayers sustain us in all we do. And so, Lord, with all the angels and saints, we too give you thanks as an exaltation we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahoth, Pleni Sunceli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The history of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Teresa of Calcutta, and with all the saints in whose constant intercession in your presence 
we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi. Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends.
for those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio. Let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as you, as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Sacrament most holy, O Sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine, O Sacrament most holy. O Sacrament Divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that we who are renewed by these sacred mysteries may follow the example of Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, who honored you with tireless devotion and by surpassing charity was of service to your people through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. The Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Hail, Holy Queen and Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Serving God's Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, this is 